Welcome to the Employee Lounge. I'm your host, Joe Pang, and today we'll be talking about Ramadan with our special guest, Sozit Mohammed. Sozit, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell our audience what you do for Onsen County and how long you've been here? Well, thank you, Joe, for having me. Um, my name is Sozit Mohammed. Like you said, I do employee relations out of HRD. I've been with the county since 2018, so this fall will make it four years. Congrats. Just one more year from being vested. I know. Thank you. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> All right. So let's get right into it. Um, can you share with us a little bit about the meaning behind Ramadan? Sure. So Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, and it's the most holiest time of year for us. So the biggest reasoning for Ramadan being a special time of year is that that's when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him which is a crux part of our religion, the main scripture attached to our faith. Um, and then in an observation to observe that huge blessing of gift that was received to us or given to us, we observe in a lot of fasting, reading of the Quran, giving charity and so on. Also, Ramadan is part of the five pillars of Islam. The first being the Testament of faith, uh, performing the five daily prayers, fasting in the third, uh, doing your obligatory uh, charity, which is 2.5% of your gained income um, for adults, and then lastly, performing the Hajj pilgrimage. So it's a part of that large kind of like foundational pieces of our faith. Um, the biggest thing outside of you know observing the revelation of the Quran is getting a sense of empathy, right? And always being grateful for what you do have. Um, a lecture I listened to one time a couple of years ago was that um, Every time you kind of feel a pain of hunger or a bit of distress while you're fasting, it serves as a reminder of the days that you never felt that on the days where if you wanted something, you could get it easily. You know, this is an effort to generate and build our sense of empathy so that you are not as attached to what's in your pockets and are more considerate of your neighbors, you know, literally and then figuratively around the world. So I think you mentioned some of the uh, common traditions and essential practices during Ramadan um, mm -hmm. in answering that question. Uh, can you give us a little bit more detail in terms of those common traditions and essential practices? Yeah, absolutely. So the first day you start with Suhoor, which is a pre-dawn meal. This is a bit of time before the Fajr prayer comes in, which is signifying the start of the day. So you get up super early, you have your meal, whether, you know, for me especially is getting that cup of coffee in that early, you know, having some sort of carbohydrate or protein, something that'll kind of keep you going. Um, and then you would break your fast at the mark of sunset, which is also the fourth prayer of the day, which is called Mahrab. Outside of that, you know, you meet your other five daily prayers. You're mindful of how you speak because it's not just fasting from food, but fasting from, you know, foul language, gossip, any kind of negative behavior, you know, abstaining from sexual activity while you're fasting. Um, you're maximizing charity in all forms, whether it's your obligatory 2.5% or it's extra charity. And charity can be very simple as like being kind to someone or actively giving money or food to someone who's in need. Um, a significant goal a lot of people have that I'm still working towards is finishing the Quran. So all 30 sections within the 30 days. Um, mm. It's a very steep goal, but a lot of people are able to meet it. My dad is one of them, and he likes to remind us of that every year. <laughs> um, so meeting that and really reflecting on what you're reading and applying it to your life. Um, it's a time to better yourself in all capacities, right? Like the fact that you're able to abstain from food and water while the sun is out for 30 days 
shows a testament to you as a person of what you can do if you're intentional about your behavior, right? So it also kind of serves as an example of you can always let go of a bad habit or things that, or change something about yourself if you wanted to, because look at what you're able to accomplish every year when you do do this. Um, I do want to mention too that fasting is only obligatory if you are physically able to do so. And there are some exemptions. For example, um, when women are on their menstruation period, they're mm. not to fast. Um, it's to give them some ease for their bodies. Uh, women who are pregnant, women who are nursing are also exempt. Um, people who have chronic issues where they need to be eating, for instance, people who are diabetic um, mm. and their blood sugar is an issue, they abstain from fasting. People who are traveling across time zones um, because you are at that point, you're starting in one and then they get another. So your fast would be like 20 plus hours, right? Mm. Um, and, and, and people who are fasting, people are traveling, people who are during that time of the month, etc. They're to make it up before the year's end, before Ramadan comes again. Um, uh, people who have chronic issues with their diet that or like some kind of illness doesn't let them fast, they're not required to make it up. That's, you know, they're just observing Ramadan in other ways by giving charity, reading the Quran, etc. Um, people who are actively engaged in military combat also are exempt from fasting. Mm. So. Those are some tidbits. I think there's a bit more that I'm just remembering right now, but it's not something that you do that's intended to cause harm to you or your body. Um, it's an effort to build your resilience and your sense of empathy and kind of show you what your body can do, but it's never an effort to cause harm. So mm -hmm. if for whatever reason it may cause harm to your body, at that point you should abstain. That's enough. So it sounds like it's very tailored for not only your, you know, what you already have, like in terms of limitations that you might already have. So it gives room for that effect. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like getting through, reading through the entire Quran, you said there were like 30 sections in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give us an idea of, you know, I don't know, like how many pages <laughs> that might be in terms of like, it, it sounds, like a lot, but I, I don't know. No, so I'd, no, I'd love to know. It, it definitely is. And it's interesting because like certain parts of the Quran are longer than the others. So the beginning mm. is pretty long, whereas like towards the end, the different verses get smaller. Mm. Um, so it's not, it doesn't really kind of divide up into like 30 for each day because that one particular section could end up taking you two to three days, depending on your like flexibility of your time and how fast you're able to read. Right. So um the goal is to finish a lot of people try to break it up during the day where they'll do like maybe a couple pages after you know every time they pray so that it's kind of like a little bit throughout the day which kind of helps them get to that particular goal um but it does get easier certain chapters and some chapters it's just harder to get through the information is just more dense um you find yourself going back and reading sections especially like the first i would say two surahs and surahs are like a collection of verses are not necessarily like chapters, um, but they're collections of verses that are tailored to one particular subject that we believe God is talking about in that part of the Quran. Um, like the first two are pretty, no, the first, the two in the, the second and third are really hefty, for example. Um, like the sort of book up one is like really, really long. So that may take you a couple of days if you're kind of an average reader per se, or if you're really proficient, maybe you knock that out in a day, no big deal. It just depends on where you're at. Um, and then if you're reading it or attempting it to read, read in Arabic, which is the original text, and you know, following all the grammatical rules and the pronunciation rules and all that, 
that can also take you longer if you're not as well versed. Um, if you're reading it in English or any other language you are more comfortable with, it would definitely go a little faster for you. However, the information is still pretty dense. Mm, okay. Yeah, it, it would sort of make sense if Arabic is not your native language. It's going to take, mm -hmm. you know, a lot longer to like, understand, yeah. read, and whatnot. Okay. Mm -hmm. find yourself circling back. Right. Very cool. Um, okay, so I think people may have a lot of assumptions or even misconceptions mm -hmm. um, about Ramadan, especially if they aren't familiar uh, with Islam. Um, if you feel comfortable, uh, would you mind sharing your thoughts uh, or any clarifications, of course, um, on the most common assumptions or misconceptions? Um, so it's like starting out like as a kid when I started fasting like around puberty, so it's like middle school. The biggest thing all of the kids I went to school with assumed that we just didn't eat for a month, that it was just no eating for a month, that we somehow had superpowers and we just survived this thing every year, right? And as an adult now, that makes me laugh, but I can kind of see why a kid who's just completely unfamiliar would think they're like, oh my God, I can't believe they're not eating for a whole month. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of restating that it's only while the sun is out during, you know, from sunrise to sunset that we have seen some food. Another big one is the kind of like, oh my God, not even water. And I'm like, yeah, not even water. So it's abstaining from all food and drink. Um, another thing people don't always realize too, it's also abstaining from behaviors. Um, another one I didn't mention earlier is if you were, if people have a habit of smoking, um, that's also not allowed while you're fasting. Um, there's also kind of conflicted guidance or rulings on whether or not like smoking is allowed to begin with. Um, but the different schools of thought don't always agree to that. So regardless of that, you know, while you're fasting, you're not supposed to be smoking. Um, you can't you can't take any medicine, anything that requires you to swallow or. Yeah, any, any kind of refreshment or anything that would require you to swallow would be breaking your fast. So uh, another okay. issue is if you need medicine throughout the day due to some chronic illness or something that, you know, to maintain your health, You'd be you'd be able to abstain from fasting, and we would just encourage you to participate by going to the different prayers, reading the Quran, giving charity, etc. Um, mm -hmm. Another one would be is that people always worry about eating in front of people who are fasting or drinking things in front of people who are fasting. Don't worry, we're fine. Um, I'd say the thing that I feel during the day the most is just a little tired uh, because I don't have to get up super early to have the pre-dog meal. But more than anything, I'm just tired, and most Muslims who are fasting are just tired more than they are hungry. So don't feel like you can't eat in front of us or that you can't enjoy food in front of us. Um, don't feel like you're offending us if you forget and remind us that there might be some cake in the break room, for example. And then you realize, oh my God, I know you're fasting. Da -da. Don't feel bad about it. You know, like it's not an everyday thing for you. So we're not expecting you to always be mindful that we're fasting. Um, but don't be offended if we decline, of course. Right, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, you know, we can all learn from other cultures and traditions. Um, in your point of view, what can non-Muslims uh, learn from Ramadan? I think the most beautiful part of it to me is just how strong we can be as people um, mm. and how much control we couldn't have over our own circumstances. The fact that we're able to abstain from food and water for over, you know, for 30 days um, or, you know, 21 days if you're a menstruating person shows you that 
you know, we have a lot more active control over ourselves than we realize. Um, it definitely reminded to me that I can always change things about my life that I may not want if I have the willingness and the ability to abstain from something as basic as food and water. Um, I also love how much I feel like every year my level of empathy also grows. Um, and the gratitude I feel for the things that I do have and at the ease of which that I can obtain things that I want, whether it be food or material goods in any capacity. Um, and it also makes me, I find myself thinking about how I can provide to people who may not have, um, because it's another principle in Islam is that like this life and this world is a test, right? So what you have, what you don't have, um, what you do, these are all tests. So for example, someone who has wealth and has access, we're being tested by that wealth and that access as well. And we believe that when we do pass and we're at the next stage, at the next life, that we're gonna be questioned on how we were, how we use the wealth that was given to us, right? Um, in addition to people who who don't have, they're, they're also, you know, living through a form of a test as well on how they're able to persevere. So there's nothing, like we're never really like off in this world is kind of how we think about it, that whatever you've been given, it's, there's something in it for you to learn from, to grow from, you know, to be tested by. Because, you know, personally, I don't believe that anything I have or I've achieved, I've done in a silo by any capacity, right? So, you know, I'm very aware of the privilege that I had to have both my parents who, you know, worked really hard to give me the life they have, to give me the privilege to further my education, to place me in the where I am in my career. You know, mm. they, we, my siblings and I are able to do more than they were able to do. And I acknowledge the privilege that I have in that and the support that I have in that, not to diminish my own accomplishments, but I acknowledge that there are multiple factors that allow me the capacity in this space to complete these set accomplishments. So I'm very conscious of that too, especially on a spiritual level as well. You know, I believe that all things come from God, good or bad. And I believe in the good, it's to inspire you to be grateful. And in the bad, it's to be mindful and to also be grateful in a different way, right? And to persevere and to figure out like, what can I take from the situation? What can I learn? How can I better myself? You know, everything that I come across, I try to remind myself, I'm not always great at this, but I try to remind myself that it's a test. It's a form of growth. It's something good at the end of the day, regardless of what it was, even if it's something that I really wanted that I may not have received for whatever reason, you know, that also was a space of growth. Right? I don't believe anything ever happens just because or out of the clear blue sky. I believe there's intention behind everything and there's good in everything. Very cool. Thanks. So I think you also pretty much answered my next question, which was going to be, <laughs> can you share a few of the most uh, important learnings or moments learned uh, during Ramadan. Um, but I think you've covered that pretty well, that answer. Uh, but I did have another question that I think I should have asked at the very beginning, so apologies. Yeah, okay. But uh, we mentioned that, you know, Ramadan takes over uh, a time of 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, are there specific dates that are tied to those 30 days every year, or does it change every year? Um, Good. So it's on the lunar calendar, um, okay. so it shifts up about two weeks every year, like two weeks and change. So it's by the moon sighting. Um, the uh, funny thing that we kind of joke about in various like Muslim communities, like, you know, the different jurisdictions and, you know, who sees the moon, who goes off of the calculations, you know, 
people who really want to be authentic will have like their own moon sighting events. Um, but we mark the beginning of Ramadan and the end. And the end comes with a celebration of um, Eid al-Fitr, which is a three-day celebration usually, um, where you celebrate the end of Ramadan. And like, you know, the fact that you were able to persevere these 30 days, and then you're basically feasting and celebrating family. People exchange gifts, you dress up, and it's a whole thing. So it's a lot of fun. But the mark of the ending of Ramadan is also cited by the moon. Um, and you were instructed, or the schools of thought, you know, tend to encourage people to use their mosque in their community as their kind of guiding post on that. So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, you know, my parents are a part of MCA Bay Area, which is like a huge mosque in Santa Clara, California. You know, whatever that mosque announces that, you know, Ramadan starts on this day or Ramadan ends on this day, therefore Eid will be this day. That's what you're encouraged to adhere to. Yeah. So okay. that's kind of like the framework we follow, but it shifts about two weeks and change every year. So, so, you know, as a kid uh-huh. in the winter, and the days were like eight hours, so that was like easy breezy, you know, as an adult <laughs> now, it's like 14 plus hours. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> a little tougher. <laughs> but folks in Australia are doing good. They have it easy for now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You know, they're in, they're in winter, or they're actually approaching winter because of the southern hemisphere. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, right now... How many days has it been since Ramadan started uh, for you? Oh, Ramadan started on Saturday. So okay. we are in like day six, I think. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. I think I think, yeah, I think we're in day six, yeah. Okay. So we're almost, we kind of take it into like 10 day chunks and people mm. to have like spiritual goals every 10 days. Um, oh, the last okay. 10 are like the most powerful. Um, and also, I don't think I touched on this before, but like everything you do during Ramadan is like magnified, right? So an ordinary good deed is like times 10. And as a kid, I always kind of rationalize this as like points. And I kind of think of like Ramadan, and I still do this as an adult, is like I think of it as a time to get like a lot of extra credit. So if you were your best self, you know, 11 months out of the year, this is a time, you know, you got to really maximize your Ramadan and you can really make up for a lot. (laughs) You know, it's a great time to kind of restart, maximize all the points you can get and, Uh you know, it work out better for you. Um, There's something else I wanted to mention. I lost it, but yeah, you might come up later. Yeah. That's a, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. I did not think about it with the extra points. Yeah, it's a ton for extra credit. You can get so much done. <laughs> that's just reminding me of like, you know, like the emails that like credit card companies send to you. Like, hey, by the way, if you enroll now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In my uh, mind, I'm still like 13. I'm like, oh, I can get extra credit points. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my mind goes to. That's funny. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's cool. I'm, I'm glad I asked that because I, I did not know, mm-hmm. you know, one who, who decides, you know, when those 30 days start, when that ends, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and you know, you're able to chunk it up into 10 days and whatnot. So that's mm-hmm. that's interesting to know. Yeah, so, um, if you have like, you know, whoever's listening to this, if you have employees who, you know, want to take time off to celebrate the ending of Ramadan, which is Eid, and go to the mosque with their families. And you ask them when they need the day off, and they're like, well, I'm not sure yet. That's why. It's the sighting of the moon that marks the end. So you may have an estimation, but the announcement is usually like a couple of days before that, you know, we expect uh, E to be X day. Yeah. So it's not this person just trying to be flippant. Uh, they, we just really don't know yet. <laughs> it's 
definitely based on the moon sighting. Uh, and then I had some like interesting fun facts for you. Um, oh, yeah. So a couple years ago, um, Malaysia, which is a predominantly Muslim country, one of their astronauts was set to be in space during Ramadan. So there was a whole gathering of like, Islamic scholars and you know jurisprudence folks. Like you know, when does this person observe Ramadan? Like when does the fast start and end for them? Because you know they're floating out there in the universe. Um, and at that point, it was decided they would just follow the timeline of the time of day in Mecca, in Saudi Arabia, which is like one of our holiest sites. So mm-hmm. you just follow that timetable. Another interesting fact: um, the people who live in the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, the top part goes into the clouds, so it goes into the atmosphere, right? So mm-hmm. for them because they perceive the sun differently because they're so high up the people at the very top three minutes were added to when they can break their fast and people that were kind of in the middle top two minutes were added to when they can break their fast so it was kind of like all the minds got together and made that determination and this was something that was similarly done for folks who lived in like really high elevated areas in the mountains Mm. Um, another one um, is if people who live near the arctic circles and they have like chunks of time when there's no sun up there um, and if Ramadan rolls around and they're observing they would also follow Mecca's guidelines Mecca's time of day and just use that start and finish to guide when they complete their fast because they don't have access to the sun that is so thoughtful of how they've done that they they've taken scope of like all the different type of circumstances that mm-hmm. can affect people all around the world and outside mm-hmm. the world, <laughs> like in mm-hmm. space even. Yeah, yeah just that's, up in space. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you touched on this uh, just before your fun facts in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, asking colleagues uh, of, you know, when their schedule is going to be impacted. Um, mm-hmm. So you can touch on this uh, while you answer this question. Um, so do you have any recommendations for uh, non-Muslims uh, at Arlington County to be mm-hmm. more supportive of colleagues who observe Ramadan? So I think you mentioned that scheduling uh, impact mm-hmm. earlier, but is there anything else um, that would help? Yeah, um, I would start with first asking how they prefer. So for me, for example, I prefer to start my day super early because I have my coffee when I have my pre-dawn meal. So if I can get going as early as possible, Instead of like going back to bed and napping and getting up, I guess, like normal hours, I prefer to get going as soon as I get up and then ending my day a little earlier, which would give me some time to rest, do my afternoon prayers, and then like break fast around sunset. That works for me. Um, mm-hmm. Some people like to nap in between, so I would just check in with your staff and the work that you all do to see what you can do to accommodate their time of day. This is for people, I guess, the normal nine to five worker. Um, if you have people that work off shifts, like a swing shift or an overnight shift, I would check in about them having a space to uh, take t- take the time to break their fast. So mm-hmm. whenever sunset is, making sure that they're able to take a break, at least you know fifteen to thirty minutes to you know eat their meal and make their prayers before they get back to work, that would be super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are working overnight shifts, that's the time that we they'd be able to kind of refuel. So I imagine they'd probably start their shift a little bit before sunset or around sunset until the, you know, through the morning. So making sure you accommodate them about having access to food if they need to snack, um, if they do end up breaking their fast while they're on a shift as well. Um, just being flexible in the time of day where you allow for breaks. Um, if someone is not, you know, 
seeming like themselves just check in to say like, hey, do you need a break? Have you been working a lot longer than you have the capacity for? Let me know. Um, and just kind of being mindful of when they end their day so that they can have a bit of a break between breaking fast and ending their work day. Um, we tend to rely on naps to kind of help us get through the day. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so one, check in. Um, two, just make sure you allow for time people to eat if they're working later in the day. Okay. Very cool. So a lot of flexible scheduling. Mm -hmm. um, communication. Definitely go a long way. Communication. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, that's that's really good to know. Yeah, All right. So the last question that I have for you uh, mm -hmm. is if people want to learn more about Ramadan or the mm -hmm. Muslim faith or Islam faith, I should say. Um, are there some websites, social media accounts, or books um, that you would recommend them recommend for them to learn more? Absolutely. I mean, there are countless books, but my favorite resource would be the Yakin Institute out of Dallas. Um, their director, Dr. Omar Suleiman, is probably one of my favorite scholars. Um, he's American, born and bred, you know, around my age actually, and he really explains Islam in a really easy to understand way um, mm. and in all aspects and also makes it very relevant to our lifestyles in the West as well, you know, and understanding like trying to balance family, work and faith and all that. So he does a really good job of that, factoring in like mental health and, you know, relationships at all levels, et cetera. So I would go there. You can find their information on if you just do their Instagram, which is Yakin. It's Y-A-Q-E-E-N. You'll be able to find their Instagram page. They have a podcast that's available where you can get podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. Um, you can also find them on their website. If you click on one of those social medias, it'll guide you right there. Um, but they have like great like you know table talk series, lectures, um, articles, videos you can watch. There's a lot of things in their group so nicely. So it's very easy to understand. Outside of that, um, there's a lot of resources that are available just simply online. But I'd say the best thing is getting to know Muslims. You know, like if you have a neighbor that you haven't really talked to or a coworker and you've always been kind of curious, you know, just start by saying like, you know, I know it's Ramadan, Ramadan Mubarak, which just is like a greeting to celebrate Ramadan. Um, and just say, you know, I've always been curious about Islam. Like, do you have some time for questions? I'd love to learn about it. You know, through you, they're receptive. Most of us are. That's a great way to build a relationship. I mean, quick story. When my dad was at Cisco years ago, he used to, you know, during Ramadan, he would spend his breaks reading the Quran. And a coworker would always ask him what he was doing, would ask him about Ramadan. And my dad would just simply answer questions and then go about his business with no intention of anything. Only until about, I think, maybe five years after that or 10 years after that, he ran into him at the mosque. Okay. And apparently, <laughs> the conversation with my dad is what triggered a deeper dive into Islam and he ended up finding that Islam was the way that he wanted to live his life, you know. So, you know, we also are kind of stewards of our faith as well. So, you know, feel free to reach out to anyone that you want to get to know. Um, your neighbors might start showing up to your house with food if you start engaging with them during Ramadan. We tend to do that. So <laughs> you may end up with some cool trades also. Awesome. All right. Um... Any other fun facts or last words that you want to include before we conclude? Um, just, you know, be accommodating. Don't feel like you're offending us. You're probably not. Um, please don't 
read too much into us being tired if we're not as animated as we normally are. Again, probably just tired. Um, but please ask questions. Um, don't think you're offending anyone by asking questions about how they can best support you, especially at work. Um, and, you know, I will send over the links to the Yakin Institute, but they're a great place to start. Um, we have questions about how you can support your employees in the ER lens who are fasting. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me via Teams, phone or email. I'm happy to schedule some time and answer any questions that you may have. It doesn't have to be specific to a person. If you're just curious and not sure how to handle something, definitely here is a resource. But yeah, thank you for taking the time to listen and learn about Ramadan. Awesome. And just for clarification, the Keen Institute is spelled Y A Q E E N. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. And I'll send you the link so that you can have people so it's not so much of a Google dive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That yeah, sounds good. But they're definitely my favorite. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, Z, well, this was fun and very informative. Uh, thanks for taking the time to explain to all the listeners out there uh, to learn more about Ramadan. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Alrighty.